0: This Christmas, this theme of Be Christmas is uh, our challenge to each other, this challenge to not only do Christmas or just rush through Christmas, to actually be Christmas and to embrace the story and to really put ourselves into the story, as Pastor Guerin alluded to. So the question is, as we look at this beautiful nativity and as you see maybe nativities all around, what character do you usually put yourself into their shoes? Do you ever find yourself wondering one direction or the other? Wiseman, uh, Joseph, Mary, who do you usually, maybe the first person out of that, that figurine set, do you look to first? Share with your uh, neighbor really quick. Who is that person? You can talk now, it's okay. All right, we'll take some answers uh, from around. Uh, who do you usually see yourself as? The donkey. That's like a whole another sermon, uh, and a funny one at that. The angel, the angel. How about Joseph? Anybody see any, any Josephs in the house? Any? How about Mary? Mary? Joseph? Is Joseph? Yeah. I, for some reason, always go to the shepherds. I don't know why. Maybe because I was always a shepherd in the Christmas program uh, because I had a bathrobe, apparently, uh, in Alabama, and they, they gave us the crooked stick, and there you go. Uh, but today, we, what we want to do is we want to put ourselves in the place of Mary. And each week, we're going to begin to look at each character, or different characters, and begin to see what is God trying to tell us during this season. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter (coughs) 1, starting with verse 26, we're introduced to Mary. (coughs) Excuse me. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, we want to look at this story with fresh eyes, and maybe you know some of the things I'm about to tell you, but just a refresher. We know What do we know about Mary? Well, we know, some scholars say or tell us, somewhere between, she was probably from the ages somewhere between 12 and 16 years old at this time. So, very young, young teenage years, that are there. We know that because that was about the age that girls were betrothed or they were engaged at at that time. So what did she look like? Well, we don't really have an exact picture of what she looked like. Through the years, artists have tried to capture possibly what she looked like. This is a picture from uh, Philippe uh, Champagne. Uh, I want to call him Philip, but Philippe uh, painted this in the 1600s. Now, this picture uh, here, this is actually from the 1800s, and it's by a guy named Henry Tanner, and kind of captures a little bit of her essence, maybe as this poor uh, young girl. The Nativity movie that came out a, a couple of years ago, I think did a, a pretty good job of capturing this young girl from from that part of, of the world. So pictures in your mind, maybe you've had a picture in your mind uh, growing up of what she looked like. We know she was from this town, Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, we, we think of Nazareth, we know of Nazareth because of Jesus of Nazareth. And maybe we amid, immediately think of like this big metropolis, like a, a Houston type town. But Nazareth wasn't like that at all. It was actually a very small town. Now, need some help. Let's just go uh, East Texas. Uh, give me a small town in East Texas. Maybe slightly redneck. I'm not saying anything if you're from that area. But East Texas. I'm from Alabama, by the way. Uh, What? Give me a little town in East Texas. Viter. Wait. I don't know where center. Center? Center or Viter. Not center, but center. Gotcha. We're going to go with Viter, okay? (laughs) Boo. So just picture this. Mary and Joe from Viter, Texas, Okay. Uh, yeah, because that's what it was like. It was this town away from the, the hub of Jerusalem. All the action took place in, this, in Jerusalem. And Vider and was this, or Nazareth was this little town that, that no one came from. Joe was this construction worker from Vider that probably drove a Ford. And he was a great, great guy. Maybe watched wrestling on the weekends or on Monday nights. And I don't know why the wrestling uh, stirred up some some thoughts. There is wrestling and wrestling, by the way. Uh, but he's from this t- little town uh, that was that was there. Scholars tell us maybe some say around 200 people, maybe 2,000 people around the time that uh, this story takes place. And I love the part even where, where Philip is interacting with Nathaniel and talking about with Jesus, or about Jesus. And they said, well, Jesus is from Nazareth. And, 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 and Nathaniel says, well, can anything good come from Nazareth? That's the kind of opinion that people had about this, this town. There was this little Nowhereville town in the, in the, in the region. And, and this is something I love about the, the character of who God is. If you look, there's this string that just flows throughout all of scripture. And the string that flows is is who God chooses to use. He's constantly picking the people that other people wouldn't pick. Now, an old youth pastor trick that I would use when I was a youth pastor is we would line kids up because that's what they do in school to pick teams. And you'd line people on a wall when you're playing dodgeball or basketball, and I would rig it, okay? I would rig the picks. I would tell the captains, pick the kids you would normally pick last, first. And they would give you that look, like, What? We're gonna, you want us to do what? But when that would happen, and, and you're picking teams, and the captain would go, I want her, and I want him. There was a look on the faces of those kids. Me? You're picking me? And that's the string throughout the Bible. We look at who God chooses they're underdogs, and I love underdogs. I, NCAA tournament's coming in March. I don't care who's playing. I'm going to pick the team that's not favored to win. I'm picking and pulling for the underdog always, and there's something, I think, inside of all of us that, that wants the underdog to do well, and that's what happens. God uses Israel, that little nation, that runt of a nation, as it was described, is to be my people. Then he takes people not who did the people choose to be their king? The tallest person? Saul was the tallest. He was the mightiest. That's who they chose. Who did God choose? He, he chose David, the the, run, the the kid that as they were lining up to see who would be possibly the next king, Jesse didn't even send for his son to come in. That's who, they, who God chooses. He chooses disciples, people that people had forgotten. He chooses people like Paul. He chooses people like Mary, this girl that's young, girl, poor, from nowhere this is the thread that we see throughout God's, God's word. Why did he do that? Why do you think he does that? I think Paul gives a little bit of a, a, an idea of why. When he says, I didn't come to you when he's talking about his preaching. And I think this often. I don't, I don't come to you with wise or persuasive words. I, I try to be uh, persuasive. I try to be funny, uh, but I'm really not uh, that funny. In fact, my favorite days are when I feel like, not my favorite days, but the days that God shows me the most maybe is when I feel like that I just have bombed, okay? Do you ever feel like you just bombed at what you do? Some days that happens for me too. And someone will come up and say, God showed me something amazing. And what Paul says is this, I didn't come with wise or persuasive words, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see in this story is that God is through the power of the Holy Spirit uses people. God doesn't, he doesn't use the, he uses the unqualified. He uses the uneducated and he uses the inexperienced. They're of his favorite to do his work in this world. So what does he say? The angel says this, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, maybe you've heard it this way before, Ave Maria, greetings, Mary. That's you know the song. I'm not going to try to sing it for you, but it's a very a beautiful song, Ave Maria. Or maybe you've heard it this way, the, the, the old English word is Hail Mary is the greeting, and it's not a football term, but it's at, Hail Mary is, is what he says in, in, the, in the old English form. And it says this, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, something I noticed is, you know, surely she was afraid that there, I mean, there was an angel that showed up. She had to be frightened. We see that in different places, but it doesn't seem like she's afraid of the angel or this moment. And, and maybe she was, but what's, what Luke communicates to us is that she was troubled by the greeting. She was in wonder of this greeting that this angel gave. Now, something we notice, obviously, that's paired with the word Mary Throughout this scripture is another word, virgin, the Virgin Mary. We, we see it. Now, now something I, I want to point out to you is this, is that God became man. Man did not become God. What happened here was a miracle. It was from the Holy Spirit. When we say, see that she was a virgin, she had not been with a man. She had not been with Joseph. She had not, modern day terms, she had not slept with anyone. This was a miracle from God. He came down to us and did something miraculous. If you have your Bibles, John 1 sums it up for us in, in, in his version of the of beginning in chapter 1. And he says this, John 1, one. in the beginning was the word. Now, a lot of times we hear maybe the word and think, well, what is he referring to? Like the words, and he's, it's referring to Jesus there. So you can almost replace the word and say, in the beginning... Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God, and, and, and Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Jesus, and nothing was created through except through him. Jesus gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it, praise the Lord. Down to verse 10, he came Jesus came to the world that he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human. Jesus became human. And made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and and faithfulness. And we have seen the glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So what you're seeing is Jesus came down. He was there in the beginning. He created in the beginning and he's creating here now as he came down to earth. Now there's another, while we're on the subject, there's a a phrase that maybe you've heard and and maybe have been, I don't know, confused about. Maybe you, you, you weren't. Immaculate Conception. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Immaculate conception. Now, don't be confu- don't confuse that with the immaculate reception. Uh, that was a guy named uh, Franco uh, in the, played for the, the the Steelers, I think, in the '70s, way before my time. Uh, but what? But he's referring when when you hear that phrase, immaculate conception. You know, some folks get that confused with Jesus's birth, but what the reference actually is is to Mary's birth. Is that? there's this teaching or this belief that Mary was born without sin, that she was born without sin, and thus that's the immaculate conception. And thus the reason why certain folks, certain groups of people, worship Mary and elevate her to almost God-like or deity-like status. Now, what I'd like to say here is, We want to recognize and appreciate Mary. We need to. We have to do that because of her place in the New Testament. And as we see in her story coming up, the way that she was obedient to God. But we do not worship Mary, okay? She she was just like us. She was Mary from Vider. And and there's a big difference. And not to offend our, our, our Catholic brothers and sisters, but we do not worship Mary. We appreciate Mary. Are you with me there? All right, thank you. Uh, just thought I needed to say that today. Uh, but we'll keep moving along here. There's and, and maybe this will clear it up for us. The greeting is this is this this Mary, this greeting that he has says this greetings you are who are highly favored. Now, in the middle of those Greek words is a very important word to us. It's the word for grace. Mary, full of grace. Have you heard that before? This idea that that. And with grace is this unmerited favor that God's showing unmerited favor to Mary. And what is grace? It's a gift. It's a gift that can't be earned. It's a gift that you can't do anything to to earn anything. It's it's a gift like someone giving you a present this season. You receive that gift. And so we find this Mary who who can't earn this gift. She can't do anything uh, to get it. What's her reaction? There's this surprise Reaction. There is this reaction of, of wonder and awe that she when she receives this greeting, and, and it's almost like, Me? Me? That reaction is, is what she she has there. I was reading someone this week, and, and they were talking about this grace-filled moment with Mary. And, and, and he said, you know what? As Christ followers, we should take our cues from Mary. And that this, how many times do so when someone asks, so how did you come to know the Lord? What's your story? How did, how did God come into your life? And, and the story oftentimes will begin something like this. Well, I just kind of grew up in the church. And, you know, I just kind of was raised here. And, you know, I just come to church and I'm a pretty good person. And, and, the, and the scholar was saying this. He was making the case. If our stories don't start with grace and the awe and the wonder that, man, I was messed up had a past that you would not want to hear about, but God broke into my story, and that's what grace is, and her reaction is this Ah, oh, and, and that's why we hear great lines like, amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me, or the song that we know well, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a, a basically really good person like me, no, what's the line? Wretch like me. And that's this Mary is in that position. Me? You're choosing me. And God uses those who have humbly received his grace in their life. It has to be received first. We know that Mary was betrothed to this person, Joseph. And and we know what betrothed is basically this engagement where parents would come together. And there would be exchanging of gifts, and there would be about a year-long period of time, this betrothed period that was there, that planning would take place for the ceremony. Oftentimes, there would actually be a house addition built onto the parent's house so that there was this prepping for a house that's there. Now, I I was trying to put myself in Mary's shoes, and and suddenly I just remembered back to the mash. Uh, Does anybody remember the mash growing up? You know what I'm talking about? The MASH uh, game growing up. Are you, are you with me? All right. Yes, thank you. I, I heard that. Uh, MASH stands for mansion, apartments, shack, and house, okay? This was what determined your entire life when you were like in middle school and high school when I was growing up, okay? And the way it works is you had different categories like this one says, boys, today, what you're going to major in college, a report card grade, uh, what the day will be like, just all kinds of things, your kind of car, your kind of pets, how many kids you were going to have, uh, all those different things that, that were there. And you would do the little circle thing around and whatever number of times you had to like go through and, and mark off. I'm not crazy, okay? Other people did this. I had friends that were girls that did this a lot. I didn't do this much, but... All right, I even saw was I was researching this this week, I saw this from Moms, uh, the Moms mash Game of today. I don't know if you can read this, but uh, it says, age, first gray hair, uh, 30, 40, 50, 60, uh, only food your kids will eat, yogurt, PB&J, pizza, and chicken nuggets. Um, then it goes down, let's see, oh, I'm trying to think of food found on the floor of your car, french fries, pretzels, fruit snacks, carrots, carrots. Uh, movies that you know by heart of your, your kids. But I just picture in my mind Mary in this betrothed period. She has pictures and visions of what the future is going to look like. She's planning the ceremony. She's thinking about what's going to happen and, and her new life into the future and these plans that are coming together. What, are we, what am I going to wear? Am I gonna, is it going to be rice or bird seed or Bubbles or sparklers or whatever your people are using to send people off at weddings these days. There's so many decisions, so many things coming up in the process, the planning that's there. And then suddenly, this uninvited person comes into her life and says, but the angel said to her, don't, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Can you imagine receiving that kind of news? I mean, a thousand questions would come through my mind in that moment if I were her. How in the world is this going to happen? What's going to happen with my family? What is Joseph going to say? What about the wedding? Is there going to be a wedding? Is, what, what are my friends going to say? What, is, what's gonna, what if Joseph does what he could do by law and, and have me stoned? What if a thousand million questions probably went through her mind? And the one that jumped out, and maybe she asked others, but the one that, that Luke records is this it's a pretty obvious one. How is this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. Just the biology, how, God, how? And oftentimes, you know, our visions and our plans are interrupted uh, by God's mission. A couple of years ago, probably I think six years ago now, I was at camp, uh, and we go to camp at, at the time at Waxahachie, Texas, which is, there's a woohoo. Uh, that's right, Some folks actually lived in Waxahachie before. My friend John was actually the mayor of Waxahachie for a while. And uh, we'd go to camp there. And one of our kids uh, in the youth group at the time is a kid named Taylor Greenhill. Taylor's a great kid, um, super smart kid. There he is, handsome as well. Uh, And uh, great parents, uh, super funny, very talented, multi-talented kid, uh, and really excelled in school. And going into this summer, he was getting ready to go to college, and he had his plan set. He was going to go to the University of Texas. He had already decided on a major that he was going to be a, I think, a physics and pre-dental uh, major there at UT. He had scholarships in place. He had the plan of how he was going. He had dates in place of of all that happening. And suddenly, he came to me in the middle of camp and said, "Pastor Matt." God's doing something inside of me, and I don't know what it is. I, I feel like God's leading me to go to this little school in Oklahoma, Snu, this Christian school that we support and we believe in. I just feel like God's leading me that way. And as I'm hearing this news, I'm the kind of the realest questions are going through my mind. How is that going to happen? How are we going to be able to get there and switch it this late? Is this like a camp high kind of thing? Is this... Did he meet a girl uh, this week and that's going to SNU that's there? Those are the things that are going through my mind. As I talked to him about it, you know, he's saying, I'm just, the, the, the words that he said was, I'm terrified at this. The questions that go through our mind. And sometimes the questions can easily become excuses. And that's what happened for Moses. God showed up in this awesome moment, this burning bush moment, and he said, you're going to lead my people. You're going to lead my people out of here, and I'm going to help you do that. But Moses, how did he respond? But, but, but God, but God, this, I, I, I can't lead that. But, but God, uh, who am I? But God, who are you? But God, what if they don't believe me? But God, what if they say that this didn't really happen? You didn't really appear to me. But, but, but what? I'm not very good at with words, God. But God, please, just choose somebody else to do this. I heard a great sermon title once on this passage. It was how to get rid of all your butts in life. Uh, Or maybe it was how to get rid of the bigger butts in life. But we have a lot of butts sometimes and questions that easily become excuses that are there. And I think that we do that because, man, I love to control things. I love to be in control. I heard this quote. I like control. I like to know where God is going, exactly what he's doing, the exact route of how we're going to get there and exactly when we are going to arrive. But what I found out, folks, is that God doesn't really operate that way, does he? Uh, I got these kids, uh, they're awesome, uh, nine, five, and three years old, and uh, we have so much fun, and a lot of good memories, and a lot of joy that they bring us. And then there are other times uh, that they're sometimes a little difficult uh, No one can relate to that, I'm sure, Um, but we are kind of going through, I think, the end of the tantrum cycle in life, okay, where they throw tantrums. Your kids probably never did this, Uh, but it's when, you know, they don't get their way, and so there's, like, this convulsion that happens sometimes, and pretty much, uh, we have not gone out to, like, public restaurants in a long time for this reason, uh... And sometimes, you know, maybe this is a good idea. I saw a parent use this kind of trick uh, with their kid <laughs> going out. I don't know. Maybe we should try that with, I will not say who. Uh, but, but sometimes, I can think about one of my girls, who will be nameless, uh, when she receives news from me that's not what she wants to hear, no, daddy, and then she has the ability to, like, convulse her body and, like, I'm, like, going to, like, some kind of mode. It's scary. <laughs> it's scary. No, Daddy, I don't want to do that. Clean your room. No, Daddy, uh, you can't eat that. No, Daddy, yes, I can't eat this. I can't eat 10 packs of fruit snacks if I want to. And then the next line comes. I want Mommy. Now, at first, when I was a rookie, I, this was effective on me, okay? it's Like, I want to be the favorite. I am the favorite. I'm the cool one. Um, and that would hurt a little bit. But what I realized, as most of you know, is that she really didn't necessarily want her mom in that moment. She wanted someone to give her the answer that she wanted in that moment. And if she would know her mother well, she would know that was not coming with her mother. But I feel like that kid sometimes with God, And God's really pressed that into me. How many times have you come to me, and and like a skit guy, skit I saw once, you just tell, you write on a piece of paper what you want, and you just show it to me and say, God, would you bless my plan? God, as I come into this house and worship, God, make me feel good during worship. What am I going to get out of this today, God? I wonder, and, and God gave me this picture. Am I the kid that's like this sometimes? Fingers and ears. I don't want to hear your plan. I don't want to know it because my plan is different than your plan. And I know that if I ask, I know that I'm not going to hear what I want to hear. If I go to you and say, "God, is is this right? Is this wrong? Is this God? Is this where you're leading?" I'd rather just put my hands over my ears than hear the truth of where God is leading me and guiding me in life. So maybe just want to encourage you not just during this season but but maybe all the time what if we just kind of let loose of the grip that we have on the plans for my life and say God I am open to your guiding and your direction and the way that you're leading me this Christmas this be Christmas challenge uh, what we've done, and, and you've heard a lot from us now, is we want life groups and families to think of ways that, to love people and to serve people and to bless others. But here's what we don't want to happen. We don't want it to be an event or a one-time thing. What we are encouraging you to do during this season that we hope goes into the next season of your life is that you're receptive to God's leading and guiding and direction in your life all the time, all the time. I had a friend that had an interview this week, and, and, and he, we were texting, and he said, got this interview, pray for me, and in the middle of the correspondence, he said this, God's will be done. God's will be done. What if we said that every day? God's will be done today. God, you lead me today. Use me today. That kid, Taylor, that was telling you about Green Hill, he goes to Snoo. He He gets... Basically, more money that he was going to get from than, than what he was going to get at UT. It was cheaper to go to SNU than it was to go to Texas after everything worked out the way God provided it to work out. He meets a girl, Katie. They get married. He answers a call to ministry. He is serving in Minneapolis, Minnesota today. We need to pray for him in the freezing cold. Uh, but he answered God's call in that moment of his life through questions and through worries and doubts. So what's God's will for my life? Maybe you're answering that, asking that question today. And just real quickly, people ask that question all the time. What's God's will for my life right now? And and maybe I just would throw this question back out at you. How good of a gift giver are you? Like, Are you a good gift giver or a bad giver? That seems like an odd question in the time, but maybe that'll help us out a little bit. This season is about gift giving, and some of you just need to confess, I am the worst gift giver in all of the world. I am the king of the gift card, uh, or just cash. Straight cash, homie. Uh, But gift givers just don't give very good gifts to people. Uh, Maybe, what's the worst gift that you've ever gotten? Picture in your mind. Someone nominated this as the worst gift ever. Uh, there was another picture. This is the toilet bowl coffee cup. There was another picture. I could not show it with coffee in the cup. Uh, maybe you're that kind of bad gift giver. Now, here's the suggestion of the day. You've got time. You've got a couple of weeks now. Good gift givers thrive in paying attention to people. I okay? know that's not rocket science, but if you pay attention to someone and you listen to them, and you ask questions like, you know, what do you want? What do you need? What Just kind of secretly do those kind of questions, and begin to spend time with someone, and pay attention to someone, suddenly you start to notice, the, you're like, aha, I have an idea, and it comes to you. May I suggest this? To know God's will, you need to spend time with God. You need to, to open his word, and interact with him, and and, and, and walk with him. That's the kind of metaphor he uses. Walk with me daily. Listen to me. Open your heart to where I'm leading and guiding you and directing you, and be obedient in that guiding and directing. And for others, I, I will tell you this, there are moments. I was thinking of this this week, Acts 16. Paul, he's on this journey with God, and God's leading and guiding him and directing. Him. And if there was ever anyone that was close to God, it was Paul. But in Acts 16, there's two different times where he's going and preaching the gospel, and the Holy Spirit like cuts him off and says, no, don't go that way. And then he goes another direction and says, no, God, don't, the Holy Spirit preventing us from going into Asia. And then finally, he just finds himself in this town called Troas, and he's there, and I wonder what the questions he had. God, what are you doing? I feel like I'm hitting these roadblocks, and maybe you're at a season right now where you're in the waiting part of of this whole thing with God's will. Like, I don't know where you're leading, God. I don't know where you're directing. I, I am close to you. I am connected to you, and I just don't know. May I just encourage you in this moment, these moments, to continue to be faithful in the waiting of your, this season of your life. Pete Wilson said this, I love this quote. Here's something else we've often mistaken about God's will. It's as much about the person we're becoming as it is about where we are going. And it's in those seasons often, I think God forms us into shape and shapes us into the person that he wants us to become. Not just now, but in the future as well. The things that I, I love about Mary, last one is this. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And in NLT, it says this nothing is impossible with God. And what is her response to this amazing mission and task and out of nowhere God moment? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I love this. Here is this girl, this Mary from Vider, this this woman who was young and and poor and, and with plans and all of these things. And in this moment where God says, this is where I want you to go. This is where I'm leading. I'm going to use you to do amazing things. With questions just swirling through her head, she has this moment of just courage and obedience to say, My life is yours. God, do whatever you want to do with my heart and my life. Use me, Lord, any way that you want to use me. Use me any way that you want to use me. I I, I saw this as I'm pondering this this week. I saw these t-shirts. I thought these were were great. Uh, Esther, Hannah, Mary, and Ruth, and me. People that said, Lord, you can use me. Another version of this shirt is Ruth, Mary, Sarah, Esther, squad uh, goals, people that want to be associated with, people that said, God, God, use me. As I was thinking about this week, um, I was thinking about Taylor's story, and I was thinking about Mary and, and her obedience. You know, when I was younger, I had a lot more guts. I was a lot more courageous. I jumped out of a plane when I was in my 20s. It seems like the older I get, the more firm a grip I have on my plans, on the way things should be, and the less open I am to what God has sometimes, where I just say, God, this is the way it should be. When I was a, a kid, and I, I remember days, I was just on fire for God, and, and, and I don't think it's an accident that as we look at the age of, kind of the average age of salvation, most people come to the Lord when they're younger. It's when you get older, statistics tell us it's harder and harder for people to come to know the Lord. Maybe it's because we become stubborn in our age, become less courageous, more fearful. We used to, I used to travel in a singing group. I know this will shock some of you, but they just, I don't know, they, maybe they just needed another guy to stand up there. Uh, and wear really bad Kmart suits. Uh, But we would go around uh, to different churches, and we would sing. And as I was on the singing tour my senior year, my story was almost exactly like Taylor's story. I was going to Alabama. I was going to be a businessman. I wanted to be a lawyer. I didn't know how that was going to shake out, but I knew that's where I was kind of going in life. When God started to speak to me and said, would you do what... I want you to do? Would you be willing to consider that? We were singing this song every night and it just got into my head and this song has been on my mind all this week. It's a pretty simple song. If if you could use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I asked, called Garen up. It was just, just calling me this weekend. I said, Garen, you're a talented guy. Is there any way that you could find the lyrics to that Brooklyn Tab song and sing it this morning. So as Garen leads us, what I want you to to pray about and think about is this. Are you open to what God has for you? I'm not talking about just in big decisions. I'm talking about every single day. Are you open to how he is guiding you and leading you? Are you like this? Are you willing to be obedient and courageous like Mary? Step out and say, God, I know you're going to provide the the answers along the way. I don't have all the answers, but I know you're you're leading and you're guiding, and I'm going to be obedient in that. Would you pray and seek God as he leads us and sings? Use
1: anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Would you sing that song? If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Touch my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, and speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Would you stand with us? Stand and sing it. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet. And touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use
0: me. Would you pray with me? God, that's our prayer today, Father. Lord, help us, Lord, to be obedient to you, Father. God, we have declared that that you are our king, that we are your followers. God, I pray that we would follow your lead, not ours. God, I pray that you would draw us close to you during this season. Lord, through your word, through time with you, Lord, we thank you that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us your spirit speaks. God, help us to listen. Lord, help us to, to listen each day as we are going through the, this, the mundane things of life. May we be available to you, God. Lord, help us in places where we are have ignored you and said, I want my will, not your will. Lord, I pray that you would convict us, Lord. Lord, accept our prayers of confession this morning, God, as we say, God, we have we have sinned against you when we have declared that I am Lord, not you. God, I pray that you would guide our steps this week. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us when we, as we meet with families and life groups. Lord, that we would draw closer to you, Father. Lord, give us tasks big and small, Lord, every day as we are your ambassadors of reconciliation in this world. So We represent you, Father. Lord, we love you and lift all these prayers in your name. Amen. As a benediction, I uh, was at a church uh, meeting over the weekend in San Antonio, and I don't know if this is just like a theme for this church, San Antonio First Church, but they had this prayer uh, everywhere uh, around the church, in the restrooms, in the hallways, and I thought it would be a great way for us to end today. It's a lot of words. I'm going to say it out loud, and why don't you just whisper it in your heart. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. I pray that as you go, that you would go in the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would be Christmas to a world that desperately needs it. Go, in the name of the Lord.